0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin
1: Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University.
0: Customers' expectations are high. If this is the first holiday you've been on for two years and you're really looking forward to it, You know, you're not going to accept the fact that there's a huge line.
1: A better approach is treating your employees like customers. We would laugh if we heard some company say, customers just don't want to buy our stuff anymore. Well, okay, then you better change your stuff. There's still too
0: many organizations coming to terms with that. And thinking that we are going to go back to the old ways of doing things. It's the classic stuff, isn't it? You know, did this research seven years ago. Yeah, but that was seven years. Hey, Ryan, I've got an interesting story to tell you. Let's hear it. Well, the first thing is, this is the second time we've actually done a video on this. So if you want to actually see us debating this, then uh, just go to a link in the show notes. But not the interesting thing,
1: Similarly, if you've complained to your governments about Colin and I being on video, that probably hasn't gotten through yet. So, uh, no, it has We'll see happened. how many of these we do. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a cause for celebration. Let me put it that way.
0: So, I'm in England at the moment and I flew to New Brunswick in New Jersey uh, last week to do a presentation. Okay. Was there for an hour and a half and then flew back. Okay. One of those trips. When I landed in JFK, the first thing that, I, that happened was, You've flown seven hours across the pond, and then you wait 45 minutes for them to find a gate for you to, to land at. And I'm sitting there and thinking to myself, you know, oh, this is annoying. You know, I mean, it happens to us all, I know. Then on the way back to England, we landed. We were taxied into the gate. And then they said, ah, the gate is not calibrated for the plane, which I'd never heard
1: of before where you landed at was it like a metric gate and it was like a standard (laughs) size airplane
0: well whatever it was whatever that meant i i guess it meant that they couldn't put the walkway down they couldn't press 747 or whatever the planes are I've,
1: i've never heard of that either
0: no so but you think to yourself bloody hell They know what plane is landing here. I mean, it's not a secret. It doesn't land and they go, let's look out the window and see if we can see what type of plane it is. It turned
1: out the plane stretched a little bit during the flight. Now it won't fit.
0: So that happened. And then we've been having uh, work done on the, the house. And literally everything we have touched has gone wrong. We're having new radiators put in the lounge. They were two weeks late in delivery the decorators decided that he would change his mind and move on to something do a different project halfway through the implementation and it just it made me it made me write a post which we will put a link in the show notes in case you're interested but I wrote a post on LinkedIn just more out of frustration than anything else going the world is going mad okay it you know uh, and just outlining some problems that I've been having and I just went is you know, is anybody else having this or is it just me becoming a grumpy old man, basically? Always good to
1: do those checks from time to time, it for is. sure.
0: Yeah. And and the response I got was incredible because everyone started piling in with, with examples and everything else. And I said in the I said um, as I was writing the post that, you know, if, if people pile in with some stories, then we may create a podcast on it.
1: And guess what? We're creating a podcast on it. To be clear, dear listeners, we are always happy to outsource the the work of this podcast to you. Yeah, absolutely. No, there are good stories. I, I do think this is a, a common thing that everybody's dealing with now.
0: Yeah, I do as well, and I think that is highlighted having the same the same issues. And and it's interesting because I checked before the show where the American Customer Satisfaction Index is. So you know, we had David on the the show some time ago. And he's due to come back, hopefully, in a a few weeks' time. But the American Customer Satisfaction Index, which has been active since 1998, if my memory serves me correctly, shows that we are at a 17-year low on customer uh, experience, on customer satisfaction. So there's no surprise. But I thought it'd be interesting going through some of the comments and give a shout-out to some of the people that were kind enough to give us their comments and then we can we can chat about it. So let me start off with Mandy Morgan. Mandy wrote in or wrote on the post and she said, "Oh boy, where do I start in this crazy crazy world? Uh, we we are now handed individuals that expend, expect instant gratification. Nobody wants to actually work anymore and everybody wants more money. We all thought 2 years of the pandemic is bad, but it and it was going to be a very bumpy ride for a while." customer service is out the window. Nobody seems to care anymore. It's actually very a very pleasant change when you receive a good customer care experience. Cherish those. They are few and far between these days. There are a lot of great people out there that are just exhausted. And if anybody's got any solutions, then please tell her. And I thought to myself, yeah, I've heard that a lot recently, that people are saying that, you know, and the danger is, is it becomes an easy reason to go to doesn't it that everybody just doesn't want to work and i think there's an element of element of truth in all of these but i know that you, you that one of the replies was quite interesting wasn't it
1: yeah yeah i mean i agree with a lot of what mandy said at the you know as you said and as mandy said and as a lot of your respondents said that we're going to read customer service is just not going well these days and there are a lot of problems out there and, and i agree with her that i think that that people are exhausted these employees are exhausted I'm less certain about just this idea that the problem now is that nobody wants to work and that everybody wants more money. I, I think that in general, people have always wanted more money and less work. I think that's human nature. It's more useful to dig into what do we do about it then? Like like if employee preferences are changing, we can just kind of like complain about it and say, well, that it's different from how it used to be and we wish it was not this way. Or we can change our approach and, and see if we can do something a little different. So uh, Justin Raviceky or Rivacecki responded and, and had some good advice in there. I'll only read a part of what he said. But he said, as a leader, I try to always learn from my team as to what makes them tick on an individual level and then give guidance based on an understanding of the entire team dynamic, basically. How will they take my guidance and understanding of our company vision and apply it at each level of the organization? At the end of the day, each team member should be proud to embrace the culture, vision, and goals, and then actually work towards achieving them. Why? Because they're proud and thankful to be part of something that not only sounds good, but that benefits them and their families over the long run. I think that's a good approach. If you're trying to hire and just nobody's showing up for your interviews or people interview and then they don't show up, you know that, that's a problem and that's difficult to, to cope with. Some of it's probably money. <laughs> <laughs> make some of it
0: yeah no i i i agree i i think i i was listening on the radio the other day and they were talking about there was a baker's in the north of england and this baker's was trying to hire people and they couldn't hire people and this guy was basically going look you know out of the 50% of the people that we asked them for an interview end up not showing up basically and i guess this goes to my overall point which is The world has changed. Yes. You know, and I remember doing podcasts on this when we were going through the pandemic. And the issue for me is, yeah, the world's changed. And it's not just customer experiences have changed. And it's not just that, you know, people want things delivered more and blah, blah, you know, convenience and all that stuff. It's not just that there's hybrid working and and things like that. You know, people want to work at home. I think that there there are people now that have gone, I don't want to do that type of job. And the answer is not money. But I don't want to do that type of job for the money and the hours and the grief that I'm going to get. And therefore, they've backed out of them. I think part of the issue, and this again is overall, is there's still too many organisations coming to terms with that and thinking that we are going to go back to the old ways of doing things it's the classic stuff isn't it you know I was with a client a little while ago who said oh yeah we did this research seven years ago and you think to yourself yeah but that was seven years I mean and during the pandemic it's a bit like dog years you know for every year you'd probably be seven dog years you know so it's probably like doing research from 100 years ago and looking at employment or employee experience customer experience isn't it
1: what I liked about what Justin was saying there, and I think that like a better approach, is treating your employees like customers. You know, it, we would laugh if we heard some company say, well, customers just don't want to buy our stuff anymore. Well, OK, then you better change your stuff, you know, um, and employees are are just people. And so if if we're not giving them what they want, some of it is in terms of money. People might want might be in a position to demand more money than they have in the past but I think the points that Justin are raising here is a lot of it's not, a lot of it is kind of more feeling like they're a part of the organization and and are invested and and that the post has a vision and a path for them. And I think a lot of companies have failed to communicate that or failed to provide it for long enough that people are reassessing.
0: Another couple of comments, both similar sort of vein of things, Neil wrote about the fact that um, he was at Heathrow which was a madhouse people barely knowing what they were doing customers confused and bewildered and here's an interesting one tempers were flaring patience was in short supply and you know there is Neil goes on to make the the point that customers expectations are high if this is the first holiday you've been on for two years and you're really looking forward to it you know you're not going to accept the fact that there's a that there's a huge, huge line as well, but there's a, you know, a he goes on to talk about there's a lack of customer awareness on behalf of business leaders, a lack of empathy and compassion for overworked, overwhelmed workers. Try recruiting in that environment where that's what you know you're going to get. I mean, why would you go and have a job in that type of place?
1: Uh, it's true. Like, I mean, people, people are employees are aware that in many ways, their jobs are harder now, too. It's harder in a customer-facing role because so many customers are impatient and angry and you need to deal with them. So yeah, the, the world has changed.
0: Michael Barrett talked about, he had a a, a package delivered by USPS, the postal service in the state, and he wasn't in, so he he, he went online to to get, get it rescheduled. And because they'd got one code wrong in the zip code, it's, he spent 30 minutes trying to, get it sorted out and you go yeah that would have happened before the <laughs> before covid and everything else but again it just goes to show how
1: poor systems can create a a poor experience doesn't it yeah and and these are systems that are not brand new and and covid pushed so many organizations online i think our expectations Are higher now or is it you know you used to have a little bit more tolerance for an app that was a little glitchy or a website that didn't work seamlessly i think you know like your respondent a lot of us have run out of patience for that where your system's been online now for several years let's let's see if we could get this process operating
0: yeah and and the thing is i mean one of the ones we've had recently is we had a new sideboard delivered and it was the wrong color and it's a simple thing. They had not put the right, the, the, the color chart in the right way on the website. Uh, and yet it's caused us loads of problems. It's caused them loads of problems. And when you look at it just from their perspective, hey, they've got a dissatisfied customer. But B, they're having to have the cost of coming out and picking it up and all the rest of it, basically. Yeah. And they're right a to the company and getting it wrong. Have you got a business problem? And would you like us to help? Would you like your business problem addressed on the show? All you need to do is go on our website and record your pickle. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. That's beyondphilosophy.com backslash pickle. And hit the big red button. We look forward to hearing you on the show. I thought this was an interesting one. Doug Rabold had an annual season ticket at uh, annual pass at Disney for five years. Longer than that. He said he'd he'd
1: had it since they opened in the 70s. Oh, did he? There you go. I apologize. He's a a longtime fan. And he's trying to get it renewed and he's getting the runaround. I mean, you'd think
0: they'd be biting his bloody hand off, wouldn't you? You know? And one of the things was that they couldn't do it because of the systems. So... In fact, I'll try and put a link in the show notes have i have you ever heard they did a great sketch over here a comedy sketch a while ago a computer says no have you ever heard that-uh uh-uh. oh it's a i'll put it i'll put a link in the show notes It's really worth worth watching you know just somebody sitting behind it tapping the keyboard with a customer in front of them pressing the keyboard and it says, No, the computer says you can't do that. <laughs> you know. So it doesn't matter what any logic applies, it's just it's all driven by the, the bloody computer, basically. And and he goes on to say some of the learning that he took out of it was that policies and systems are now more important than fifty year old guest loyalty and oh and twelve hundred dollars for recurring revenue apparently is only chump change for
1: um people like people at Disney yeah some somebody in the organization made the decision to create the system in that way, and I'm sure that they had good reasons for it from their perspective, but yeah, these systems, as much as they do streamline things and and make things more efficient, they also you know create these problems where they are inflexible and and you know you can't use your employee's best judgment in order to. Make accommodations or to solve immediate problems, and, and that's a trade off, and that's you know, that's always been the case. But I think as we automate more and more things, it's going to continue to be a problem for customers.
0: But it doesn't take rocket science, does it, to be able to turn around and say, unless you're selling rockets,
1: then it might. But yeah, in other <laughs> domains, no.
0: But yeah, but you know, if I was if I was at Disney with this, I'd be going. If any of our, and I have to say, I think Delta do a good job at this. Okay, so I'm platinum diamond on Delta because I fly so much. So it's interesting, actually, now we're talking about this because it's a drawing a bit of an analogy. So I, I know you fly Delta a lot, but one of the things that they did during the pandemic was to extend the benefits, even though that they, were, you, they obviously knew you weren't flying as much. So they've extended the benefits, which I, I thought was a shrewd move. The point I'm trying to make is, your most loyal customers, you need to take care of. And if that means going outside the policy and the processes, then that's what you should do for your most uh, for your most loyal customers. And I I'm just surprised, as I'm sure Doug is as well, that that
1: Disney aren't in that space. You usually think of Disney as being kind of at the forefront of good customer service. Yeah. Um, I remember in his post he said he tried to get this solved on the phone or online or something, and they said you need to go in person, and it sounded like it was kind of an ordeal.
0: Yeah, it's just it's just getting the runaround, basically. But you see that the other thing that that for me implies is they've not given the right training to the people involved. So if I go back to my plane issue, it's not been you know the 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 gate wasn't calibrated. Well, first time I've ever heard that. If I was a gambling man. It does
1: sound like something that somebody made up. Like well, a, It could a,
0: be. A, but I presume sure that I have to – I don't, don't know to. if you've known on the scene on the floor where they put the front wheel that they are marked for different planes. Have you seen that? Uh, so, no, I,
1: I don't pay that much attention. Oh, there you go. You don't pick up these details, mate. So obviously – I also, I also on, don't fly 400 times a year like you do, Colin. So
0: You've got to amuse yourself somehow, mate. That's true. So, <laughs> <laughs> but no, when you when you when you pull up at the gate, they've got lines on the floor, and obviously, depending upon the model of the plane, will depend upon the length of the plane, which will depend upon where the doors are. So, therefore, I presume that somebody goes in there, and that's why that's my presumption. Maybe somebody can tell us different, but I presume that's what they mean. It's not calibrated that you know it it can't accept that type of plane. The point I'm trying to get to is. For me, that if again if I was a gambling man, that's probably down to inexperienced staff that hadn't been trained properly or a shortage of staff or something like that where they're just trying to do too many things and have made a mistake that they wouldn't normally have normally have made. And I guess if I was thinking about Doug, then again, the danger is, and I guess this is where it comes to, doesn't it, is that you end up getting in warm bodies as opposed to the right type of person. And you're better off for your customer experience to wait for the right type of person.
1: Yeah, actually the uh, employee shortages seem to be a theme of a whole bunch of the responses we've got. I've got two that I can read from quickly. Esther Quinlan was talking about the shortage of pilots, told a story about a friend of hers and, and she ended with, no one was flying during COVID, so let's just lay off staff. Not great vision, was it? You know, you, nobody's flying, so we left a bunch of pilots. But then we need them all back right away. But in that time, a bunch have retired. Other people have dis- have gone into other businesses. You know, you can't just train up pilots immediately. And so all of these airlines are now facing all these shortages and cancellations because of this employment issue. Taylor Hildenbrand talked about something similar, talking about going to restaurants and having to wait extra long, and then sometimes being told they can't order yet because the kitchen is now swamped and they have to wait forty five minutes. It struck me. So there's, so I don't teach operations, but we have a great operations professor that I co-coordinate with. And he does something um, with his students called the beer game, which I think is taught in a lot of MBA schools. Essentially, they come all together and they get into teams and then they pretend like they're a beer distributor and they have to determine how many they're going to make so that they can figure out how to sell it to the a wholesaler who sells it to the distributor who sells it to the retailer who sells it to the customer so that you get this this chain this operations chain and the the nature of the game is such that there's demand is a little bit uneven changes from from period to period and it illustrates really easily how forecasting demand improperly can just throw off your entire supply chain and you end up with like way too many in one period and then you overcompensate and you have way too little the next period it strikes me that that we're seeing that now in the labor market to the extent we never have before you know during covid got a bunch of these people laid off cuz that made sense right now but they weren't forecasting that oh covid's going to be over at some point and people're going to be flying again or eating out again and so then they tried to hire people back and now they're they don't have the right kind of employees the thing that bugs me though
0: is and i know this has happened in both countries is the flight cancellations yeah because well you know the capacity of the airport you know the capacity of the you know the airline you know that how many baggage controllers you need and and if if one of those is out of kilter as you're and saying you
1: should know how many pilots are going to be available
0: yeah so so why do you end up cancelling someone's flight the day before which is what's been happening in England
1: or the day of
0: you know yeah absolutely i mean it's just you just go, so is that just about information flow? Do they suddenly think they're going to get a
1: a load more people come in or or what? When we talk about these supply chain issues, you can also think about the information chain issues and the employee chain issues. Like the, these are all a part of kind of the operations in a way that we typically don't think about because they've all been predictable before. It's a problem. So that may be a more useful way of thinking about it. We need to forecast out better you know, and, and and rely less on this kind of just in time way of doing business that's been so popular for so many decades.
0: Yeah, and a couple more which I thought were uh, were interesting. Laura was interesting because she 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 is actually from uh, Netherlands. The analogy she was drawing was of what somebody from the Netherlands felt like in living in Britain, and the point she made, which I thought was a good one was a lot of things were broken prior to COVID. And the other thing that's been impacting in the UK is Brexit because, you know, trade is down massively with Europe and, you know, various other things that, you know, I think there's, I can't remember what the stats are, but a significant amount of people left with Brexit happening and therefore that that caused even more of a supply shortage of of people. So one of the things that cracked me up, actually, she wrote much of what's broken before Brexit, master levels of acceptance from the British. And we sort of just brush it off again. Oh, well, that's just one of the joys of living in Britain. So she said that she, where is it? So the word potholes, I presume you have potholes in America,
1: but they don't have a word
0: for potholes in the Netherlands. because They don't have any.
1: (laughs) When When your government operates so well, you don't even have words yeah. in your language yeah. for the inefficiency. And the other one
0: I thought was cracking was that she said that when you're five to ten minutes late, that's still classed as being on time. <laughs> so that was, a crack. It was, a, was great when it comes to reservations and everything else. So. But um, there you go. Any others from your end that you looked at and thought were worthy of... Uh,
1: we, f- we flagged. I mean, there were a lot of problems people um identified we flagged a couple that were actually good some people said that they had good experiences that they wanted to, to know which i love
0: let me interrupt you there before we get on to those because one of
1: the other ones a you, couple of you wanted of to stay with the negative colin That's, i did just yeah. before we get onto the good news colin, colin's all about the bad guys i'm i'm here i'm your ray of sunshine colin's the negative nelly so
0: this was oh, this was um This was, when you say negative, this was actually quite, I I think to a certain extent, quite sort of profound in the sense of talking about, and I can't find the names of the the two people that said this, so my apologies. Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can find it now. Um, But two people made the point about the inconsistencies between basically the haves and the have-nots and the growing margin between people that have got things and people that haven't. And the danger is is that's just growing more and more and more. You know, for me, it was symbolised at the time of recording this was when the presidential residence in Sri Lanka was raided at the weekend or rioted or whatever word you want to use. Uh, but everybody jumping in the swimming pools and stuff like that, and you just go, the, the difference between the haves and the have-nots just seems to be getting larger. And from a negative perspective, it just makes me wonder about sort of civil unrest if all of this lot carries on going into it. But now, you can see now why I wanted you to get positive because I've gone into a real downer here.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks for that, Colin. Um, <laughs> so so build it me. up, Ryan. So Patty Stoltz said she wanted to give us an example of good service she encountered. She said she flew; it was actually Delta Airlines. Flew Delta into um, Des Moines, and what's interesting is there was an issue with their seating, so there, there was a problem. But she said the employees bent over backwards to try to make it right, and and went with them. and And it sounds like from the story, they they didn't even necessarily resolve it right away. Like it was still a process, but unlike Doug's experience with Disney, these employees were there with her and it, they, she was so impressed by that, that even this negative experience turned out to be good. And so I, as we talk about, you know, labor shortages and, and it difficult to find and keep employees, you know, one thing that's important to remember from a customer experience standpoint is that Human beings can serve as a buffer when systems go wrong. In Doug's example with Disney, the system went wrong and the employee just said, nope, can't do anything about it. Like, system's in control. Whereas this experience with Delta, the system went wrong, but the employees were there. And even though they didn't resolve it right away, they were empathetic, they were helpful. They they did everything that they could to the point where it was flagged as a good example. And I, I loved that. I thought that was great. So thanks for sharing that, Penny.
0: Let's get on and talk about what the solutions of this could be. In fact, in fact, before we do that, um and building on that, Jose talked about one which I thought was was a very good point. And he said that business failures mean business opportunity. We live in a special time where beating broken businesses is easier than ever. And I read that and I thought, that's a bloody good point. A really good point to to be able to, to, to start to think of it that way. So uh, thanks for that, Jose. I then thought to myself, okay, well, we shouldn't just be listing all these out. What would we do? Uh, and get to our usual, you know, well, here are the things that I think we should do. So I've got a list of things here. Let's, shall I run down this list? Yeah, yeah, let's hear. So the first thing is for me, you've got to accept the world has changed from a customer experience and from an employee experience perspective. Therefore, you've got to go out and do some more research. Therefore, you've got to understand that the world has changed, basically. I know it seems obvious, but I think that's really something that that businesses haven't really accepted. I think the other thing for me is you've got to be honest with your customers and your employees. So, you know, if you have, if you've overbooked on the flights and stuff like that, then a you shouldn't do it in the first place. But b if you have, you know, don't cancel them the the day before. Give people as much notice as you can. Don't oversell and don't overbook because you're causing yourself problems. And therefore, for me, that ties into think more long term. We've we've talked about this on two or three occasions before. Dealing with inflation is obviously an issue. We, we've 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 had it. We had a whole couple of uh, podcasts on uh, on on inflation. Talked about the growing divide. It's not just business as usual. Uh, and uh, we've we've recorded a podcast today with Michelle Patterson, who was the person that led the Merck line implementation of customer experience, and they improved their Net Promoter Score by forty points over thirty months that led to a 10% rise in shipping volumes. So, And the, one of the key things they did was
1: define what drives value. That's a great list. I'll just echo your your first point, which is the world is is changing. Uh, it doesn't do us any good to complain about how things used to be and wish that they were better. I I jokingly pulled the, the line with my nine-year-old son the other day about, you know, back in my day, having to walk uphill both ways in the snow all year round. And he stopped me and he was like, "Wait a minute, it snowed all year round when you were a kid, like he was not buying it at all, but it's it's natural it's we all we all do it like it used to be great back in my day well we're we're competing, we're living now and now, so we need to make changes we need to adjust
0: Good, so we hope that's been of use to you today. If you could do us one favor, that would be really great." And that is if you could go on to wherever you're listening to your this podcast from and do a review on, on the show, that really helps Ryan and I. It's always good to hear how we are doing. That gets us out to more people as well. So thanks very much. And we look forward to talking to you next week. Cheers. This has been The Intuitive Customer with Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton. But it doesn't end here. Just go to beyondphilosophy.com slash podcast to find all of our shows, access free tools and resources, and subscribe, won't you? That way you'll never miss a show. That's beyondphilosophy.com slash podcasts. We look forward to talking with you next time on The Intuitive Customer.